Welcome to episode 65 of the Fantasy Alarm Baseball Podcast. Shaking off the rust, had a little downtime here. Matt Sells was on vacation. I've been cranking out player profiles and other articles for the Baseball Guide, which will remember the promo at the end of this thing. But Matt Sells, how are things going? Remember, on the Twitter machine, that's at the Sells Man. What's, what's happening here? Oh, you know, trying not to freeze to death when I step outside. Uh, it's been brutally cold here in Lincoln, Nebraska this morning, bringing, uh, well, my wife, my lovely wife brought, uh, our eldest to school this morning. It was 14 below zero, um, raw temp, not wind chill, raw temp. Um, and the, uh, opening race of the NASCAR season just finished here, uh, a couple of hours ago on Tuesday night, the Bush clash. It was going great until the final two corners. I was up about 400 bucks and then, uh, Two guys in my lineup who were first and second spun each other out, um, and I wound up with ten bucks. But such is the life in NASCAR DFS, <laughs> <laughs> especially so, at Daytona. Yeah, exactly. So we get uh, Sunday is the Daytona 500, and then the following Sunday they're going to race again on the road course, which is where they race tonight. So uh, we got baseball kicking off, and we got NASCAR kicking off. So my two favorite seasons are kicking off at the same time. Yep, and we've got the uh, fantasy basketball DFS and betting cover by Adam Ronis and all the guys, John and Pemba, James Grande, and all of them doing great work. Sean Mitchell, uh, I know the hockey guys are producing great content on a day-to-day basis, even though they hate one of the Maple Leafs goalies and uh, <laughs> all the other stuff going on here. But yes, baseball is around the corner um, amidst all of the trials and tribulations. Spring training appears to be going forward. Uh, we just have to make sure that Rob Manfred or the president doesn't step in to uh, shut things down. So it's with uh, trepidation that we move forward. So uh, first and foremost, a report came out by Eno Saris. Uh, he got a hold of documents stating that the MLB planned on changing their baseballs. Now, this is kind of funny because last year when there was no baseball, uh, James Grande and I had to cover we we. we took the lead on covering KBO stuff and uh, the KBO has already done this as far as adjusting their baseballs uh, when they're messing with what they call the COR or the coefficient of restitution uh, they made it less bouncy so there was less home runs so if baseball is actually going to institute this uh, it could change how we approach some people in drafts I don't want to overthink it but what kind of thought process do people have to think going in? I, I think this affects guys with uh, lower average exit velocities and it could help uh, make some pitchers that weren't quite as good as we thought they were going to be actually tick up just a hair. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a major change. I think based on some of the reports I've seen, people expect maybe a 5% drop in home run rate as far as I'm aware uh, another report basically said it's like if you added five feet to the outfield wall in every park is mm-hmm. essentially what this is doing. Um, but I do find it interesting that I saw a few different pictures um, on Twitter, namely David Price, saying pitchers have been saying this for a couple of years that the balls felt different, that they were juiced, and mm-hmm. baseball kept saying they weren't juiced. And so David Bryce was like, uh, so you want to admit they were juiced now, now that you're changing them back? Um, <laughs> so I think it does help some borderline guys. I don't think it's going to really change any of the studs. Um, 
I don't think we're going to all of a sudden see Mike Trout only hit like 30 home runs instead of 40 home runs. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, but, you know, you might see the elite guys lose a couple of home runs here and there. Um, I do think it hurts the guys. If you were counting on like 10 to 12 homers for a guy, you might only see like eight now. Mm-hmm. Um, so borderline guys, I think, get hurt. I think it does help guys who are like number three or four starters who basically had good starts as long as they kept the ball in the park. Right. Um, a a hitter that a hitter that jumped into my thought process immediately was Nick Solak. Yeah. I mean, we've been waiting on a breakout from him for what, two years now, basically. And and not only does his home ballpark work against him, but now five feet less on fly balls. I just think if you you think he's going to give you 50, home runs you need to dial that back I think he's more like 12 now at this point which yeah. you know from a middle infielder not terrible but uh, we'll cover that value a little bit, is 15 correct that, but if he doesn't steal bases then it's not going to do you any right. good um, so those are just things we have to weigh so more information will happen we'll get oh, better and they data also said that same report that I think they said, what, five or seven more teams were going to use humidors this year? Yeah, that that's another key component of this. Uh, oh. why, why is it so circumspect who has a humidor? I mean, that's something we as fantasy people really want to know. Uh, they're saying, I think Anaheim might be getting one and a couple of other parks. So Yeah, I mean, we, we knew what? Coors has used one for forever. We've known Arizona, I think, has used one for at least the last few years. Um, I think Texas, at least in the old ballpark, was using it maybe the last year or two of the old ballpark. Um, but other than that, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like trying to figure out who exactly the countries are with like nuclear weapons. Like we know there are several, but we don't know exactly who they are. Right. Like, correct. Yeah. Wh- why don't we why can't we find out who's using humidors and who's not or just mandate it throughout the league that everybody has to have it? or that nobody can use it. You know, I don't understand why this is up to the teams to decide if they want to use it, and then nobody finds out if that team is using it or not. Correct. Yeah, that, at least the KBO thing, they all had the same baseball, so it's it was the same playing field. Uh, we got to go through a bunch of roster updates. I don't want to go too deep, but um, we have to start, obviously, with the one that you called on air the last time we podcasted in episode 64. Uh, you correctly guessed that Trevor Bauer would sign with the Dodgers, even though he kind of used uh, the Mets as a pivot. Sorry, uh, sorry, Andy. Uh, but um, with Bauer going to L.A., A, we'll, we'll get your thoughts on his arrival there. And then B, do you think this triggers the Dodgers to make another trade since now they have uh, they have what everybody else in the major leagues craves is they probably got seven starters and they only need five. Um, so let's answer the second part of that first. I don't think they're going to trade anybody. Um, I think they will hold on to Dustin May and I think they will hold on to Tony Gonsolin because here's the thing. David Price was injury prone before the Dodgers got him. And then he took last year off. So nobody really knows what his innings load is going to be this year. Right? Like, can you expect David Price to go out and throw 180 innings? I don't think so. I think he's more like the 130 innings. Kershaw's not getting any younger either. Kershaw's not getting any younger. They're going to save Kershaw for the playoffs because we finally saw a good Kershaw in the playoffs. And, and so and they, and they hold Bueller back early in the season. 
Right. So you're going to need innings, even if Trevor Bauer is out there because he's on basically a one-year deal each of the next three years. So you can throw him out there as often as you want to. And then Julio Urias, I don't know how big of a jump in innings he's going to take because remember, like two years ago, he came off of thoracic outlet syndrome surgery. So I think they're going to need guys to eat innings periodically, and I think that's where Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin and potentially even a guy like Josiah Gray, who's a prospect, um, and a few other guys that they can, you know, just call out at a moment's notice. Um, I think they're going to hold on to him because also let's just, you know, you can't assume everybody stays healthy, right? Um, you clearly aren't going to wish injuries on anybody, but you can't assume that they all stay healthy. So um, I think Bauer, I think the draw of going home and going within like 15 miles of where he grew up, also the money doesn't hurt because they're throwing $40 million at him. Um, and he's also not going to be like the one or two pitcher. So the pressure is not fully on Bauer, right? Even if he went to New York with the Mets, it'd be Bauer and DeGrom basically, right? I know they've got solid pieces behind them, but those are the two studs in LA. You also have Kershaw and you have Bueller and now you have Bauer. And if price pitches, well, you add him to the mix too. So. I think I think it's too hard uh, for him to pass that up. Trevor Bauer, 3.75 ERA over or under? I'm taking higher than that. I think he's going to be about four. Okay, so you're going with Derek Cardi's the bat projection. He projected him, I think, at like a 4.03 ERA. Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty fair. I might go a tick under four, but somewhere between like a 3.95 and a 4.05, somewhere in there. Um, listen, the guy's had two career years under a 4.18 ERA, right? He put up a great year in 2018 mm-hmm. with a 2.75 ERA and then came back and put up a 4, what, 4.1 something ERA the very next year. And then, yes, I know he put up a 1.73 ERA this year or in 2020, but he also faced probably the weakest offensive teams any Cy Young winners ever faced in a season. Only one of the teams he pitched against last year were ranked better than 22nd in weighted runs created plus. So not very tough offensive teams to face. Um, So, yeah, I think switching to what's become a hitter's haven in L.A., also facing the Padres lineup, pitching in Coors Field. Uh, He's going to have to go to the other L.A. team a couple of times. That's uh, and Oracle friend. Park played different last year, and they have a bunch of lefties in the lineup. So I mean, yeah, yeah that's it's not a it's not a cakewalk out there. Nope. Uh, thoughts on? I, I read a re, uh, tweet today saying that uh, Cody Bellinger is only swinging with his uh, non-injured shoulder. Does does this concern you at all? They're saying once they get the spring, he'll be able to ramp things up and do things, but. You know, for those who don't know, he he dislocated his shoulder doing a celebration after a home run, uh, with with a you know, arm bump kind of an idea. Um, I don't know. We all know shoulders are not great for pitchers, but they're also not good for hitters. Uh, I've been a little nervous about Bellinger coming into this year because of all that stuff, and this tweet did not do anything to give me a, a a warm fuzzy about him. 
Yeah, I think I saw that same uh, report as well. That Dave Roberts basically is trying to downplay it, saying he's right on schedule. This is where he's supposed to be once he gets to to spring, and they can get him on a better, more stable workout regimen. He'll start doing more scheduled work and swinging with two, uh, you know, both arms and whatever. Um, but yeah, I was a little leery of Bellinger coming into this season because I think he actually has holes that started to be uh, shown uh, last year. I think he's got holes in his swing. Um, and, you know, if if the shoulder takes any pop away to begin with, and now we're talking about a slightly uh, harder ball to hit out, then, you know, we start to get concerned about is he going to be that elite bat that goes with Mookie Betts in that lineup? I th- I still think he's going to be a top you know twenty hitter, but I don't know if I'm taking him in the first round at this point. All right, let's transition over here. We'll stay out on the West Coast. Uh, there was an in, another in division trade. Not only did we have a trade between Boston and the Yankees earlier this off season, but Texas and Oakland. Uh, made a deal kind of to shed some salary on both sides of the ledger and, and, and move pieces out of necessity. But uh, I was curious about the Rangers return first. They they picked up Chris Davis, who has been a shell of himself. Uh, hitting 247 right now would be a boon uh, for his fantasy owners. Uh, the key piece of this seems to me to be Jonah Heim, uh, a switch hitting catcher. So I'm going to let you, being our prospect guru, talk about him. And they also acquired Dane Acker in this deal. But um, I want to know if by the end of the season, are we looking at uh, a double H catching tandem of Jonah Heim and uh, Huff? Yeah, I mean, for a while there, I've been pretty high on um, Sam Huff. Uh, as a young catcher for the Rangers, I think I wrote him up about two years ago in one of my prospect reports and said, this is a guy you should probably be watching in a very thin position. Um, I don't think this trade changes that. I know they're very high on Jonah Heim, as were the A's, um, as a good... Uh, right now, he's basically a defense-first catcher. He's got about a 60 okay. rate defense. But his... Power and his hit tools both graded at least average. They just have to catch up right now. So you're talking about a guy who could still be a pretty good productive bat and is a defensive, as um, a defensive first catcher right now. So I think right now it's a little bit of the um, you know Austin Hedges and whoever you want to pair with him kind of tandem because Sam Huff's got the bat right now but okay. not necessarily the defense, and Heim has the defense, but not necessarily the bat. Well, is this is this a situation where they're going to let Trevino play at the start and then flip him and then probably, let these guys take over? Probably. Um, if, if Trevino can hit early on. Yeah, I mean, that's going to that's gonna depend, obviously. So if Trevino starts out hitting pretty well, then one of these guys may not break camp with the team, might start – down in AAA to, you know, not really start the clock on them, per se. Um, I can see them doing that with Huff. Yeah, um, because if Trevino can hit, then Heim can play the defense, and then Huff can generate. Also, um, you know, Huff is the guy that's been in-house longer, so I feel like they're going to be a little bit more um, likely to send him back down and not start the clock on him, whereas Heim... You know these teams tend to tend to um, 
protect yeah, their own guys a little bit more. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I mean, the, the Davis side of this deal, just I don't get it. Frankly, I don't know why you need another high strikeout, low batting average, uh, swing out of your shoes type power guy. Well, if you're playing DFS, you're going to be targeting pitchers going against their Rangers lineup if you're looking for strikeouts, but yeah. no doubt. Um, on Oakland's side of this, they addressed a clear need at shortstop getting Elvis Andrews. They do get some money in the deal to help cut his salary in half the next two seasons, and they grab catcher Aramis Garcia. I mean, I, I don't think there's any major fantasy fallout to any of this other than the fact that at least Elvis Andrews is guaranteed playing time. Uh, but now we have to figure out who's going to play third base for Texas. Could it be Rugnet Odor? Um, it could very well be Rugnet. I was looking at um, roster resource the other day, actually, to try to sort this out. Because um, I think they had uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa playing shortstop. No, they, they've said he's playing shortstop this year. Right. So, um, so yeah, I think they have Rugnet Odor right now playing third base. Um and I don't see that really changing. Um, unless I know they the, want to move Joey Gallo Rangers, back to third base, but I don't think you do that. Yeah, as, as if they don't need another swing and miss guy, but they can probably get Michael Franco for pennies on the dollar. Yeah, I mean, he's still available. He's a decent enough third baseman, especially for super cheap. That You know, you don't have to teach... Uh, Rugnet Odor to play a new position again. So, um, but yeah, the Elvis Andrews deal. The last two years that Andrews has been healthy and played a full season, he's still been quite productive in terms of uh, nice power speed combinations. So, I expect him going to a pretty decent hitter park with a pretty solid lineup around him to still be uh, a pretty good, you know, you can get him decently late right now in drafts. Well, as if we need another shortstop. I mean, the position's so stocked. I mean, stocked. it's deep. It's ridiculous, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if I mean, I could understand taking Tatis Jr. or Terea Turner in the first, but if I don't have one of those two guys, I'm probably going to let it drift a little bit. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's Lindor there, too. Um, eh, I'm not, not, I'm not, paying, I'm not paying for Lindor's first year as the Mets, no. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm there with you. I'm not all that high on him um, this year either. I'm trying to see if um, if Andrews also qualifies at second because that'll add to his value as well. Um, I don't think so. I don't when think I looked at NFBC, no, it's just shortstop. Yeah, um, he hasn't played. Yeah, he's only played a smattering of second throughout his career, so... Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you're going to miss on the top three shortstops, why not take a shot on a guy like Elvis Andrews? Yeah, I don't know. There's going to be different guys. I think every draft's going to be different. I, I'm I'm treating shortstop as either top end or then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backfill. Uh, I think second base is less shallow, so I might focus there. Same idea. I might take somebody early or then I'm going to backfill that later, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. Um but first, we do have to talk about, because I did my closer committee article the other day, and just when we felt like it was safe, anything, the, the Diamondbacks signed Joe Kim Saria 
But Mike Hazen has been on record more than once saying that it's still going to be an open competition in camp, even though he's the most veteran reliever on that team. Um, you know, Saria, there's nothing flashy there, but I feel like Saria uh, is akin to last year with Brandon Kensler. Everyone felt dirty drafting Kensler, but then he got a bunch of saves, and then they're like, oh, well, this isn't so bad. Could this be uh, Kensler 2021 with Saria? Yeah, it's possible. I still think it's going to wind up being uh, Crichton who winds up with more saves in that bullpen. Um, but, I mean, I'm not opposed to taking a flyer on Joaquin Soria. I'm going to feel dirty doing it. But, hey, if it pays off with cheap saves, then there's nothing to complain about there. A dirty um, Joaquin, yeah. Yeah. Make that a yeah. thing. Uh, Milwaukee signed Colton Wong, two-year deal. I th- this helps the infield defense, and this probably also shifts Keston Haria to first base as if he didn't have enough to work on with his swing because he couldn't hit a fastball elevated last year. Now he's got to learn a new position. Um, uh, you know, being a lefty in Milwaukee helps Wong. Um, what What are your thoughts on here? I'm really curious because he I did his profile and I walked away maybe more confused than I did going into it. Yeah, I mean, he was a shining piece when he came up, you know, about a year and a half ago and, you know, kind of took over midseason at second base and everybody really seemed to like him. Um, you know, well, hitting, he was hitting home runs and stealing bases. Yeah, he hit 303 with 19 homers and nine steals in 84 games in 2019. So what's not to like? And he's a middle infielder, which at second is generally kind of a shallow spot. Then last year, it all fell off. He hit literally like 100 points lower last year. He could not hit a fastball in the top third of the zone. Yeah, it was it was painful to watch. Um, but also defensively, he was never really that good of a defensive second baseman. We, we knew uh, that coming in, though. Yeah, I mean, his arm strength just wasn't. I mean, if he was going to play anywhere else in the infield, it would be first because his arm strength isn't really he's, good at all. He's, he's a right-handed batting Gavin Lux. Yeah, so um, so it makes sense defensively for them to do it. Um, I'd probably also at this point rather have Colton Wong's bat at second base than I would Keston Hira's. Because, um, you know, if you can turn Keston Hira into a guy who's going to hit decent average but really taps into that power, then sure, he's good at first base, helps your defense. Um, you know, I, I don't mind that move. Frankly, um, yeah. Uh, now, one one of my followers has it on record. If the Brewers sign Justin Turner, I have to record one of the audio segments and sing "Proud Mary" <laughs> because if, Adam McAlvey said the the Brewers are just as likely to sign Tina Turner as Justin Turner, and I, I thought that was funny. And then he was like, "If that happens, you got to sing Proud Mary." I don't know how he chose that, even though that's not really a Tina Turner song. It was a remake from uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival. But uh, yeah. if it happens, I, I will I will pay the dues. But um, all right, so I, I gave away a little bit about my thoughts of second base. Uh, the Tigers re-signed Jonathan Scope. I mean, he actually was better last year than he was in 2019 and took a pay cut. Yeah, he he's actually done this four years in a row. I saw somebody on Twitter. <laughs> he's he's point getting out that better his, and, and loses his OPS value in the marketplace. Increased each of the last four years and his paycheck has decreased each of the last four years. Um, it's a cool game. Yeah, it's a shame because the guy is actually a, a 
decent second baseman, and he just keeps getting buried in these small and, market. Uh, and he told the team he's willing to move around. He's like, I'll play another position. I'll work in the outfield, whatever I need to do. I mean, sounds like he's a great team guy. Yeah. Um, we're going to come back to him in a minute, but uh, there's also rumors that the Tigers are talking to Renato Nunez. Now, this would be a little tough because it's going to squeeze – Heimer Candelario a little bit. Is this something we have to monitor, or are you not too worried about that? Um, I mean, I'm not all that worried about it, to be to be honest. Um, does does that affect Miguel Cabrera more? Probably. I mean, that guy's just hanging on anyway. It's not like he's been really relevant in the batter's box for a little while now. Uh, I think people are going to look at the 10 home runs last year and get drawn back in a little bit because of the name. Yeah. Um, but it actually probably, you know, getting Renato Nunez may actually affect Nico Goodrum a little more because um, you could put Nunez at third base, Condelario at first base. Um, and okay. then you have Goodrum, who's kind of out of a job you know he's he, kind he of was, a super utility guy anyways right he would be backing up second base he'd be backing up shortstop he'd be backing up third base so um that may help them but i don't think it actually hurts condelario it just adds okay. another power bat uh on the hot corner and moves Goodrum to super utility all right uh this is an actual question this was my second base question from earlier uh, so, so second base somehow passed you by you're scrambling and it's like round 15 or you're getting deeper. Are you going to target scope? Or are you going to target Starling Castro of your, your hometown nationals? <laughs> um, cause they're similar players. They can give you 20 home runs with some solid RBIs. And I don't think they'll kill you in the batting average department. No, I think I'll probably, and this is not to be a homer pick, but I would lean Starlin Castro on this. Well, better offense. For a couple of reasons. One, there's a better offense around him now. Um, and he might hit in a nice spot. And the the ballpark is certainly friendlier to hit in than the cavernous Detroit uh, home park. So I would probably lean Castro mm-hmm. um, on that one. But Scope is deceptively solid because his OPS just keeps going up. Like he moved from Minnesota to Detroit and still put up a higher OPS. So, um, but yeah, I'd probably lean Castro on that one. Okay. I, I I agree actually. All right. Let's transition over the Cubs. They added Jock Peterson. Um, so that, that made me to another, another, another segue here with the nationals, uh, Better value or at least better production at the end of the year if we use whatever player rater you want to. Uh, Jack Peterson versus who he's replacing, uh, Kyle Schwarber. This one's really close. Like it, it's. Well, yeah, really- I'm not supposed to give you all layups here. Well, right. But like this was. So I was originally going to go with Kyle Schwarber because I thought his left handed. Uh, Batting splits were better because um, Jock, you really can't play against lefties. But it turns out Schwarber has just about as tough a time against lefties as uh, Jock does. Um, but it's going to come down to just the offense around this guy and the park. 
I think is friendlier for Schwarber because here's the thing. We don't know if Bryant's going to be with the Cubs all season. In fact, he likely gets traded um, with they as many rumors. They could trade Wilson. Right. So, I mean, these guys, Wilson Contreras has already been rumored to be traded like a few different times this offseason. Bryant, heck, they tried, they started to try to ship Bryant out last year. Um, so, if that's the case, it's basically Rizzo that's left, right? And, you know, the light hitting Jason Hayward. Um, so, I would have to say Schwarber only because the offense is more stable around him. And again, the park um, is probably friendlier in Nats Park than it is in Chicago, especially if the wind is blowing in. Um, at Wrigley, it becomes impossible to hit home runs out of. So I would go that way. And we got the new baseball. Uh, Minnesota, they brought back Nelson Cruz. He he his narrow his market narrowed very much with no universal DH. Uh, the more intriguing thing was them picking up Alex Colome. Um, you know, the, Minnesota had hinted before adding Colome that they're going to be moving Taylor Rogers into a shared role. Does adding Colome make the Twins a bullpen you're just going to avoid? Um. No, or, or are you okay trying to get a two-third share out of Colome? I'm okay trying to get a two-third share out of Colome. Is that helped by Simmons? Yeah, I mean the the biggest issue that I have with the Twins is the division that's around them. Because when I'm looking for closers that I want to target, you obviously want like super high-end guys like Liam Hendricks. Or, you know, Aroldis Chapman or Rizal Iglesias. But if you're going to miss out on those guys, then I need to look for the teams that are going to win games close. That don't have the overpowering offense that are going to put up like, like, for example, the Dodgers. How many saves do you think you're going to get out of the Dodgers? Right? Because that offense is going to put up like seven runs a game. And the pitching staff is going to shut them down. So... They're going to win games 7-2, to 6-1, to one, things like that. You're not going to get, you know, they may win 100 games, but you're not going to get that many saves out of them. The Twins' problem is that they're the best offense in that division, right? Like, how many close games are they going to play in that division? I guess the White Sox are right there, too. But um, I would say if you can get Colome at a good value, do that. You could take a shot on Taylor Rogers very late if you're just scrambling for, you know, pickup saves. Then that's fine. But I'm not gonna like. Colome is not like a super high target of mine. Oh no, I totally understand that. That's part of my. That's part of my thinking. People are gonna look at his year last year with the low ERA. Low uh, eight point eight three, right? Yeah, yeah. But his Sierra was over four. Yeah, it wasn't. He was. Because the other problem is he gets guys out, but he's not striking them out. He does it through right. contact. And, and that's why I'm saying Simmons is a key here, because Colome relies on his cutter, which yields ground balls, which right. if they're going to Simmons, then you're in good shape. That's that's That was the whole... Mm-hmm. See, we tied it all together in a bow there. Um, last thing here with the Angels, they traded for Dexter Fowler. What does this mean to Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh? They are starting in AAA, and they will be down there for quite a while. 
but could Fowler get DFA'd if he carries over what he's done in St. Louis? I mean, I, I mean, yeah, but okay. This, so this, this, he's he's what we would call a placeholder in a draft, right? Right, but isn't I'm pretty sure St. Louis sent cash considerations. <laughs> like I don't think I don't think the Angels are paying his yeah. whole salary. Like he's right. I think he's coming pretty cheap. To, and they got him because, who played for Madden will do okay, but yeah, right. And they got him because Adele didn't did not look like he could keep up with major league anything last. Adele year. needs seasoning. Yeah, for sure. So they don't want to start the clock on Adele. So just eat the, you know, few million you're gonna have to pay Dexter Fowler. Hit him at the bottom of the lineup. Um, so yeah, if you if you have Adele as a prospect, you're gonna keep him as a prospect this year. You're not gonna get. I don't know. Maybe he comes up in August. Maybe. But, like, if you're the Angels, you're likely not competing in that division, right? So, like, why start the clock on a guy who's going to be a stud five-tool outfielder for you for, like, the next six, seven years? See, this drives me crazy because I feel so bad for Mike Trout. Yeah, I mean. He deserves better than this. I Jose Quintana. Your, your big move in, the, in free agency was Jose Quintana. Yeah, that was gross. Come on. I mean, I know he's underrated and Nando loves him, but no, that's no. Uh, all right. All right. So last segment here before we, we wrap things up. Uh, we're calling today the, the I, I should have called it the Daytona 500s instead of leading this weekend. So we're going to change it. So the Daytona 500. So three players that have an ADP of 500 or higher and NFBC drafts starting from 2021. So January 1st on uh, three guys that you're higher on that other people are either ignoring or you think they might be missing the boat. Um, so one guy we're going to start off with here is a reliever for the Dodgers and that's Bruce Dark Ratterall. Um, I think he could be a sneaky candidate for closing at some point this season. Um, I'm not sure they want Kenley Jansen closing the entire season. That they don't. Be- he he hasn't right. closed. He didn't close the, the World Series championship game clincher. Right. He, he was giving up saves to Julio Urias. Here, here, here do you, you had the bold prediction on Bauer. Here's my bold prediction. Uh, before the trade deadline, the, the Brewers are not going to do as well as they think they do, and the Dodgers are going to go push all the chips in and pick and trade for Josh Hader. That would be, that would be gross. Like gonna, I, the there, there's there's no one else in Major League Baseball that lines up with the prospects to make that deal happen better than Los Angeles. Oh, I agree. I agree. And, well, and the I one thing the one thing they don't have is a guy to lock down the ninth inning. And yeah, but I think I think Ratterall could do that given his velocity and his his secondary pitch. Like Does the he have enough movement with that velocity though? His fastball seems straight at times. Yeah, but when you're throwing straight at 102 and then you have a 90 foot breaking slider, it tends to keep people off your fastball well enough. I, I um, want him to do well. I just look at his swinging strike percentages and I get confused. He has better stuff than that. Yeah, I. I mean, I agree, but I think he, I think he's a sneaky guy to get saves. Uh, oh, there, there's that definitely Dodgers a chance. Yes. Pen right. and going at like five fourteen right now. So yeah. who's who's your second guy? The second guy I'm going to go with. 
is, you know, we were talking a little bit about this before uh, we recorded, and I was going to try and take all the dudes that you were going to name, and I know I got one of them. <laughs> Um, but I'm going to switch it up here. I'm going to go with uh, Clark Schmidt, pitcher for the Ooh, Yankees. Okay. Going off at about 554. Um, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in the Yankees rotation right now. Um, I, everybody I'm outside. Glad somebody, I'm glad somebody doesn't. I mean, the, the fan graph, somebody has them projected at a ridiculous war. I don't know if it's all because of Cole or what, but yeah, it's like, I, are you really looking at these guys with a clear lens? Yeah, no, like, there's so many question marks outside of Cole, and then also Cole has that, you know, sticky substance thing that came uh, out. They all have pine Yeah, marks. I mean, I'm not concerned about that, and Cole put up a pretty good first year in New York. Um, so, but outside of Cole, you've got Tyon's got injury concerns, you've got Severino coming back from injury, you've got all sorts of... Herman like, being a terrible human being. Yes, exactly. Dievi Garcia, who knows how many innings they're going to get from him when he starts. Clark Schmidt is a guy who's been being groomed and was a top pick of the Yankees to be a piece in their rotation. So I think as a um, maybe a bench, you pick him up as a bench starter, um, you know, bench option for you. Well, you're taking a guy past 500. He's a lottery ticket. Well, yeah, for sure. But I think he can definitely come in and fill a, a rotation spot for the Yankees uh, this season and be pretty efficient uh, with that spot. And then the last guy I'm going to go with is uh, Michael A. Taylor uh, for the Royals, an outfielder going off at 576 right now in ADP. Um, as far as I'm aware, he's going to get a chance to be their everyday center fielder. Um we saw a few years ago in Washington when he got the shot to be the everyday uh, center fielder. He had a pretty good year. He almost went 2020 that year. Um, and I think he he could show that much pop and speed again. Um, I think we're talking about a guy who could have 15 home runs and about 20 to 22 steals. Um, That'd be massive at that pick. Yeah. And, and obviously no, but, you're but is he going to hit 230? Yeah, I mean the batting average is going to be terrible, right? You're going to need you're going to need a pillow to absorb that batting average because it's not going to be great and the guy tends to strike out more than he should. But the speed and power combination is there um to be a pretty solid uh option and I think he's going to get more at bats than a lot of people believe he will. So I'll go with uh Michael A Taylor is my third one. All right. Well, I, I appreciate you not taking uh, Garrett, the pocket rocket crochet, uh, through through more pitches. I think over 100 miles per hour last year in his limited uh, appearances. I think he is your uh, Josh Hader of 2017. Uh, he can be a multi-inning reliever that racks up a bunch of strikeouts. He's going to vulture some wins if he gets in there in the fifth inning. Um, I just think the kid's going to be a stud as a, as a reliever. I don't know if he won't be a reliever for his career. That remains to be seen, but if he can add a third pitch, but they're going to use him like Chris Sale when he was cutting his teeth in the majors. Uh, I'm intrigued. Uh, I was also looking at a speed guy, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Tim LaCastro has never been caught in the majors with, yep. in, a, in a stolen base attempt. Fastest they, guy in the majors. They, they seem like they want him to take over center field and they want Marte at second base. And if that 
if you if you give a guy and he, he's just like a, a hit by pitch machine, so it oh, yeah, yeah. his on base percentage. So hey, I remember when I used to play uh, slow pitch softball way back in the day, and a guy told me my job as the leadoff hitter was Bob be on base, and that is our man Lacastro. Even if he's at the bottom of the lineup, he gets his ass on base and he swipes you some bags. That that's all you're looking for. I pick five nine nine point six four right now. You can do a lot worse if you're looking for late speed. Yeah. In, um, in 2019, I think he was hit in something like 18% of his at-bats. Yeah, it's, it's It ridiculous. was an insane, between AAA and the Diamondbacks, every time I watched the Diamondbacks game, that guy got hit by a pitch. It was unbelievable. Uh, it's it's a gift. It's a gift. And then, it uh, is a gift. I am intrigued. I, I was listening to one of the podcasts talk about the Mariners preview uh, they seem to think that Logan Gilbert will be up in May. Um, he's going off at pick 523.66, so following up on your Schmidt thing. Schmidt probably has a better chance at wins, but I think uh, Gilbert and they were talking about he picked up a changeup in the uh, alternate site, so I think that might just be the last piece to unlock his arsenal. So those are those are three guys in those later rounds I was looking at. I also thought about Tanner Scott or Sean Doolittle, but – you know, at, at that point in time, you're just looking for guys that can get you five saves on a dime. And, and I think either one of those might be able to do it if, if Doolittle's velocity ticks up. And same thing, I, I, for some reason, I feel like Tanner Scott's going to do better than Hunter Harvey this year. And I was in Camp Harvey last year. Yeah, the problem with Harvey is that his ERA is so dang high. Well, that's what I'm saying. So that's why I'm saying Scott this year, I think, can get more saves than Harvey. But, of course, that that team's so bad, the amount of saves is going to be depressed. But it is what it is. So uh, I, I know you got a busy week line ahead of you, so I think you've been taking time out of your busy schedule. What's uh, what's coming up around the bend with uh, you? And I'm sure Malin are doing a bunch of NASCAR stuff coming up, getting ready for Daytona 500. Is that on Valentine's Day? It is on Valentine's Day. What better way oh, to spend my goodness your sweetheart than watching a bunch of cars crash? Um, <laughs> what What's the over under on the on the on the crashes? Usually, there's like crashes that take out about ten cars in that. Oh thing. yeah, there's. there's is is the over under like one and a half on those events? Uh, the over under on cautions for the Daytona 500 <laughs> is usually about ten. <laughs> I'm just talking about like those. There, there's always like one big blow up that takes out. Like oh 15, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. There's um. They call it. The I big have one. seen a race there. They call it the big one. Dan Malin and I actually watched it happen in person in 2019. And there's nothing like watching all your money burn up in front of you as steel crashes together. Um, but yeah, we're uh, you know, we're recording the Daytona 500 podcast to, uh, Wednesday night. It'll be out Thursday morning. Um, I got a track breakdown coming out on Thursday. Um, we'll have DFS rankings out on Friday, projections out on Friday. Um, you know, playbook out Saturday. We got Xfinity and truck playbooks out Friday and Saturday as well for those races. Um, and I got baseball draft guide updates, you know, being made. I got prospect rankings that are hopefully going to get up here shortly. Um, you know, for top 250 prospects, I've had to move several of them around this offseason because they all got, you know, mostly from the, the Padres, um, <laughs> getting moved around. Um, 
so yeah, that's kind of what's on what's on tap. We got um, what the fantasy alarm staff mock draft is happening the twenty third. Yeah, that's yeah, coming up around the bend, and and I don't know. And we have mock draft army starting up too. That's right. Yes, uh, Andy Spatero will be heading those up. So make sure you're checking your emails for all those great drafts on RT Sports. Um, it's always good to do those because uh, different fantasy alarm people come in and out of those drafts. I'll try and sign up for one next week. Uh, I'm going to tinker with different strategies, getting ready for the TGFBI. Uh, and, and please, if you haven't done so and it's not a part of your fantasy alarm package, uh, I think you really need to pick up the baseball guide. The the stuff that drops every day is just fantastic. We're going through positional landscapes. Uh, there's strategy articles. Uh, my reliever uh, preview will be coming up on Thursday. My uh Designated hitter went up. Jennifer Piacenti did the outfielders the other day. Colby wrapped up third base. Uh, I think Justin Reeland did the shortstops. I mean, there's just stuff coming out there every single day. And it can handle pretty much any level, whether you're just getting into it or you want the more advanced stuff with the with the high stakes room with Adam Ronis. And then you also had the front office insights with Howard Bender and our own GM talking about all those great things, Jim Bowden. So you know, and, and then a part of that fancy alarm package is you're still getting all the stuff that Matt and Dan Malin put out for NASCAR and, and everything else we've been talking about, you know, hockey, basketball, the whole deal. So if you're not aboard the fantasy alarm family, please get their ASAP. I think right now the baseball guide's been marked down to $30 and it gets updated. Like I posted a thing today and I'm like, oh my God, I left out Otani and I popped it right in there. He's on. So uh, all that other stuff, and Matt takes care of all of the uh, old faces and new places, which we still are going to have a bevy of signings with spring training coming around the corner. So, yeah, any party thoughts? That, that, that old faces, new places piece was 5,500 words when I put it up uh, <laughs> about, I don't know, three weeks ago. Yeah. And since then, I've added, I don't know, about a dozen players to it. So, about another thousand words got added. So, um, every major fantasy relevant uh, signing or trade gets put in there. So, and uh, I just updated it yesterday, the eighth. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, it. You know, we keep this is why it's a living draft guide. We keep updating things. I've already updated the rookies rank the rookie rankings twice um, because of signings and stuff. So. Yeah, you really need to get in there and get get on that. We got the cheat sheet coming out here in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I got to get my rankings together. And as my mom, my mom's favorite band, uh, one of their most favorite songs, We've Only Just Begun. So, uh, Matt, thanks again for everything. I appreciate you coming on, dropping the knowledge with us, uh, especially giving us a little insight on some of the prospects on the move. And make sure you're checking all of his work in that Old Faces new places uh, that updates all the time and not to mention all the great work he does for NASCAR as a two-time FSWA award winner. So again, at the salesman on the Twitter machine, I am great. You at G J E W E T T nine. And if you aren't in the fancy alarm family, you better change that until next time we are out.